everybody. Welcome back. We're back. We're back. I was concerned. Cantori and you. We're kicking into a new season today with an amazing man. San Diego-born photographer, surfer, waterman, a surfer staff photographer since 2008. And he's got a huge show at the Pendry Hotel here in San Diego uh, tomorrow night, which is a Friday. More on that in just a bit. We're talking to Todd Glazer today. First, I wanted to introduce a friend of mine by the name of Meryl Klimo. Hey, Meryl. Hi, Chris Cantori. Meryl is a new uh, new part of our little radio show. I'm been, your sidekick. I've been doing the radio thing for months, which is why the podcast was kind of put on hold for a little bit as I was getting my world figured out over here. And uh, part of that world involves you. So mm-hmm. I just wanted to bring you on and say how pumped I am to have you joining me at the radio station 100.7 in San Diego. And not only that, but you have your own podcast, which is going to make its way over here onto the U Network as well. So let's start by talking about that. Yes, my podcast is Campfire Shit Show, because those who know me and who don't know me, who soon will know that I am a shit show. (laughs) And so basically we couldn't do a podcast like acting like we're adults that are educated in every subject. So we just wanted to talk about it's myself and my co-host, Bo Hufford. Uh, Also, he was a writer on the local TV show Tonight in San Diego. Really funny, cool dude. And uh, it's our project of talking about the shit show moments in life to basically put ourselves on display and interview people to make others feel better and know that we're all shit shows together of course i'm one giant shit show i know i mean (laughs) i know (laughs) we are together too that's why the the radio show is magic and will be a good show and not a shit show (laughs) hopefully but um yeah you do an awesome awesome job there and had you on this week on the radio and i'll tell you just the initial response, the way it's vibing, it just feels so good and so right. It does. This, this chapter in my life. So I, Yeah, I keep feeling like, wait, this is work. I come in and hang out with you and have fun. And- We're just having a good time. Yeah. And it's working out really well. And I'm so excited that I, I can, I'm going to continue to do the podcast, mm-hmm. which, again, hadn't done in a while. I just kind of wanted to regroup before launching a new season here. And the podcast, we're going to double down on just really – Going hyper local, interviewing San Diegans, people coming through San Diego and uh, getting their story, talking story, talking shop, whatever it is. And uh, this week, as I mentioned, talking to a gentleman by the name of Todd Glazer, who's a photographer and he's got a show at the Pendry. Have you been to the Pendry? Is that downtown? Oh my gosh, that is for real like my favorite hotel in San Diego. Super it's really nice. nice. Yes, right? when I go there to work, I go to there to sit. They have a really cool coffee place. Um, and the fancy restaurant Lionfish. Ooh. I go there to like pretend that I'm something that I'm kind of not. But yeah, a, a rooftop pool area. Come on. I'm now. serious. That's cool. Todd Glazer Photography Charity Photo Gallery opens this Friday in the lobby gallery space. Portion of the sales will benefit the Rob Machado Foundation, whose primary mission is to educate and empower young people to make sustainable choices. So. You can cruise by this Friday, tomorrow, Pendry Hotel, San Diego, welcoming the photographer and a lot of his friends. Like, I'm sure Rob Machado will probably be hanging down there supporting. So they got a happy hour thing happening and uh, featuring 24 San Diego beers on tap. And that's, again, tomorrow starting at 530 over at the Pendry. I also wanted to uh, thank a couple of sponsors of the Cantori and You podcast before we say over to Todd. Does the Campfire Shit Show have any sponsors there, Meryl? We have a few affiliates, which I'm very excited for. Cool. Like Fun Fit Fab and Scentbird and all this kind of stuff. Yeah, like Blue Apron and all that stuff. Really? So have we seen a lot of money? No. Have we made at least like $8? Maybe. Good for you. Maybe, yeah, yeah. That's about what I get from my friends over at March and Ash. No. <laughs> They're a wonderful dispensary here in San Diego. In fact, you've, you've heard us talk about dispensaries in the past. Now the cannabis is legal and licensed. Uh, they're popping up all over town. And uh, the reason why I really like this shop, not only because it's the nicest in San Diego, you feel like you're going to, it's like going to a coach store, Tiffany. It's like Ooh. a boutique. It's beautiful. It's like the Pendry Hotel of Seriously. cannabis. Yeah. No joke. It's right on a Camino del Rio South in Mission Valley. There are a couple down in that area, but make sure you seek out 
March and Ash. And, and I bring them up here too because they have an incredible CBD section where they have a whole section devoted to CBDs, the non-psychoactive part of the plant. And right now, Meryl, you're actually using CBDs on your dog, right? Yes, I am a true believer now. Um, we are dealing with a mass in my dog's stomach. Oh. And so my beloved hound, Pablo, is very sick. And CBD oil has been the one thing that has helped him get a little bit of his appetite back. So Just find some comfort during these, yeah. during these I the hate stages, to say it, yeah. but yeah, gnarly stages. Exactly. So yeah, I, I dropped it right on him. And within like a half hour, it was the first time he wanted to eat. So... And if you are looking for CBDs, we do have a new partner that we're working with called Receptra, Receptra CBDs. They do drops and they do uh, topicals too. In fact, I send my my mom CBD topicals because she has arthritis and it helps her a ton. Wow. So if you want to hook up, you can get the products because there's no THC involved sent directly to your house. And uh, we have links in the blog. So if you're following this post or this audio, go to you online, Y-E-W online.com and you'll see receptra ads all over the site or on the blog for this show so let's get over to todd now and i also want to thank south coast surf shops and the scooter farm as we welcome todd glazer the photographer into the studio and we pick up just talking about his photography and the show going on at the pendry what's up todd um so i'm kind of putting together two different shows one that uh, i'd been touring with for a while with a, a book and a film that uh, my friend and i made and then some newer work as well. Which film is that? Uh, it's with Taylor Steele. It's called Proximity. How long have you been working on that for? Uh, we shot the film uh, over the course of two years. We actually only did uh, five trips to do it, but each trip was kind of spaced out depending on other people's schedules. And then it took us about six months to edit the film and the book together. And we thought when we would release it, we'd release it as like an art show piece. So we would have these different, we had like, the film, the uh, limited edition prints, the book. We also had like a virtual reality aspect to the project in addition to an original score. And you're doing all that yourself? You're producing all that content? Yeah. Uh, lately, I've been working um, a little bit as a director, working on commercials and short web pieces um, in addition to doing commercial photography work and commercial motion picture work. How did that uh, How did that transition happen for you? You're so humble. That's why it's so friggin' rad, man. Uh, you know, it's been a pretty natural transition. A lot, a lot of it has to do, I, you know, I don't want to be the guy to be like right place, right time, but um, I, I really love what I do. I love to capture images. I love to tell stories. And sometimes the medium of photography is the best choice. And other times the medium of motion picture is the best choice. And, uh, um, you know, getting to work with guys like Taylor Steele and also you know, all the surfers that we get to work with, all the talent that we get to work with who, are, who have become close friends have been really supportive of the transition. One day we're shooting motion, one day sure. we're shooting stills. And, you know, without, without their support, we wouldn't have any, anyone to shoot or any stories to tell from, from a surf standpoint. And, and how did this all start for you? Like, like, did you grow up in North County? Yeah, I grew up in North County. I grew up in Carmel Valley. I uh, went to Torrey Pines High School. Actually, before that, I went to Earl Warren. And my friends and I, we'd take the bus to school and after school, we'd walk down to the beach and go to surf PE after after sure. school, and our, our parents would pick us up at the end of the day. So, it, you know, my photography, I guess, career started from just going to the beach with my friends. And a friend of mine had a camera when uh, when I was 15, and we would just take turns shooting photos of each other. Because I remember being, you know, high school, I always loved taking the Photoshop classes because it gave you an ability to leave campus, smoke some weed, shoot some pictures. We'd go down to Venice Beach, shoot skaters. Uh, at the time, you know, I grew up in the 80s, so pictures of us rollerblading and jumping garbage cans, embarrassingly enough. But uh, that's essentially kind of, it sounds like started for you where you were just shooting your buds, right? Yeah, it really just started shooting my friends down at Seaside. And um, I grew up bodyboarding competitively and surfing. And um, so I'd, I got to travel around a little bit with that. And so I just started bringing a camera along and documenting. Okay, so you were already, you were a competitive surfer yourself then. Yeah, bodyboarder, actually. Okay, I yeah. didn't know that. All right, yeah. so you were no straight, because that was, I'm eventually going to get there. How do you put yourself out in those elements? And obviously, I would say that's attributed to your history as a bodyboarder, right? Yeah, I, I grew up around the ocean, spending yeah. as, as much time as I could, and, and I've always felt somewhat comfortable in the ocean. And so, you know, swimming in the water with a camera was kind of like the next um, the next transition sure. into um being able to spend more time in the water. And what, what I really loved about it, it's kind of funny, like when I first started, we were still, sh we were shooting film. The first, I don't know, sure. eight, nine years of photography for me was all on film. And 
for the first five years, I only had one camera with one type of film that the guys at Chrome Digital told me to get. Dang. Um, and they developed my first roll of film. They still develop, well, they don't develop film anymore, but they still do all my printing. Um, great family-run business. And I had one type of film, one camera, and a fisheye lens. And if it wasn't sunny, I didn't know how to adjust the settings. I didn't really know anything about photography. All I knew is that when the waves were good, I had this one camera with a fisheye lens and Fuji Velvia film that we pushed it two-thirds in developing, which I had no clue what that meant for yeah, years. Yeah, I'm lost right now. But I... I knew how to swim. And so <laughs> so I would take photos when it was sunny and then I would surf all the cloudy days and we live in San Diego and we have a lot of cloudy mornings. So I still had plenty of time to surf. And that's kind of how I got into really into photography is it, it was more of a rush of like, okay, the waves are good, but also the sun's out. So let's go make some pictures together and we'll have these photos we can make together. And then, you know, on all the other days or once we finish a roll of film, then we'll just go surf the rest of the day. Yeah. And, and when did this become a profession for you like hey me and the boys were just shooting shots the whole trip to holy shit this is my job this is a career path for me did you ever go to like the the brooks institute of photography in santa barbara or anything like that i did actually and and it's funny you mentioned that because that the whole time i was going to brooks I oh you like, did go to brooks. so i did go to brooks oh interesting yeah i had a lot of friends who went there oh cool so yeah after high school i had no idea what i wanted to do so i worked at a surf shop in la jolla at mitch's yeah Work there. To, I'd work like as much as I can, and then I'd go travel for a month or two and just go surfing and take pictures with my friends. And fortunately, growing up in the area that we grew up in, there's a lot of great surfers. So a lot of my friends that I grew up with turned into being very good surfers. Yeah, and these people are like the aforementioned Taylor Steels, um, Rob Machado, Rob obviously. And um, I mean, it was funny. Like our video and film teacher in high school. I was in a group that was super lazy and I was the only one that was really into it. So our video and film class, we were actually failing. And then I was like, I'm friends with Taylor. And then he ended up passing, passing me just because of that. And the rest of my group all got like D's, That's which is funny. like kind of funny. So I tell him that sometimes I'm like, you know, you got me through video and film. Cause you were able to name drop Taylor at the yeah. time. So you were rolling with all the big dogs because obviously you were competitive yourself as a bodyboarder. And you're also probably one of the few that would throw just when I think of photographers, how many people are going to throw themselves in conditions that gnarly when we get really big without being on the beach with some six foot zoom lens, you know? Yeah. Well, it's funny because to me, it's, it's really all about being in the water and it's, it's always been about good waves. So from a young age, I've always tried to learn where the good waves are. And typically with good waves comes good lighting and good weather conditions. Mm. So I just started studying the weather patterns, started studying storms. And I knew that the better the waves were, the better the images would come out. And, you know, the, I'm not going to say there's nothing worse, but it's not fun trying to take photos when the waves aren't that good. Right. So I'm like, if we can try and find really good waves with really good light, we're going to maximize our time and have the most amount of fun. It yeah. really just comes down to having the most amount of fun in the water. Always, right? Always the answer. So you're at you're at Mitch's working at the surf shop. Yeah. And then ended up, uh, I would work for like two months, work like 60 hours a week, and then I'd go off and surf and then come back and work again, work, 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 and then go surf again. And um I had a friend that was going to school at Brooks and I went and visited him and I walked through and I came back and I told my parents, I was like, you know, I, I think I really want to go to school. I wasn't ready right after high school, um, but I think this is the place for me. I really love it. And what I really enjoyed about it is it was a three-year program. It was a four-year degree yep. wrapped into a three-year program. So it was remember. just really fast-paced, um, great environment to learn. And at the time I, I was already shooting a bit and uh, submitting images to magazines. And it forged relationships with local surfers here while you're attending Brooks. Right. Got it. And so the whole time I was at Brooks, I was like, I'm not going to be a surf photographer because that's just what I do as a hobby. I do with my friends. Sometimes we get stuff published, but it's, you know, I'm not really taking it too serious. It's just more of an excuse to go travel and explore. And, and back then you would get something published. How much would you get paid? Um, it, it depends. You'd get like, I don't know, $50, $100. It's funny. This is even like before like Instagram or Facebook. Right. So like there wasn't any of that social media. Like we would, I would shoot for an entire winter and put at the end of the winter, I'd put together one slide sheet of 20 images and like drive down to San Clemente and try and meet with one of the photo Damn. editors super nervously and be like, here's my last three months of work. And it'd be like 20 images. Whoa. And you would like hope one or two. One, yeah, get makes yeah. the cut for that 50 bucks. Wow, and, that's and, heavy. and it was humbling too, because like you would, you know, you would turn in an image and in your mind, it would be really good. And they're like, you know, the horizon's a little crooked or this is a little off or like, what's the other version that look like? You're like, I was shooting film. Like we didn't shoot a sequence. Like we shot one <laughs> photo because that was, 
So you're being Which judged, being right? Yeah, you're being oh. your work's being judged right in front of you. That's tough. That's like doing radio. That's like doing radio and being air checked. Oh, where you're just man. sitting there and people are just picking apart your air checks. <laughs> I could, fucking drive me crazy. Yeah. It does. And in that position where they're critiquing your work, oh boy, your images, no way. Yeah. And it, and then, you know, that's not to bring social media up, but that's what's so different about it is now like you're kind of your own photo editor. Right. Whereas like it's really humbling to bring your work to a panel of experts and have them either support it and make you feel good or go, hey, try this, this and that. And then you go swim, you know, go swim your ass off for another couple months and sure. hopefully bring back another 20 images. So you wrap up Brooks and then what's up? Yeah. So the whole time I was at Brooks, I was like, you know, they have water courses and, un and underwater classes and uh, sports classes. And I never took any of them because in You're my like, opinion, that's what I do and for fun. I'm like, yeah, this is like when I'm done with my homework, I'm going to go, I'm going to go shoot surfing photos of my friends. Like, that's just what we do. We, we wake up early. We go to the beach at sunrise. We shoot a couple photos, go get breakfast burritos. And then we like wait and get the film developed. My friend yeah. worked at the film lab. So I'd, I'd always drop the, my film off to the him. Life, man. That's the life. Yeah. And so that was just like a fun hobby that we did. And sometimes the photos got run and uh, but it was really just a catalyst to go on some adventures. But while I was at Brooks, I was studying fashion and architecture and portraiture and all these different um, styles of photography that introduced me to a whole, you know, I uh, guess gamut of photography I didn't even know existed. Um, and when I finished up with school, the first thing I did is I went on a surf trip um, with my friends. I was like, okay, I just did three years of school. It was super intense. Like we went down to Mexico for two months and just went surfing and I shot photos when it felt right. And Damn, a lot of those awesome. photos ended up getting used and that kind of like kickstarted a career in, in surf photography. But at the time I remember I came back from that trip from Mexico and my old roommate was the director of photography for a company up in Irvine. And he, he brought me in. He's like, I'm looking for an assistant. Do you, do you, would you like to apply for the assistant job? And I'm like, yeah. So I went in there and the first day we shot in a studio in the morning for five hours. We shot uh, purses and what was it? purses and shoes, and then we went to a lunch. And then afterwards, we had to sit in Photoshop and like clip all of them out Oy. for like a catalog. And we shot like I don't know two hundred pairs or something. And then I just my, I had like this little desk next to a fax machine, and just I never went back. And I was Can't like, I'm imagine. gonna try this. I'm going to try this photography thing, like surf You're, photography. I'm going I, to Mexico. I, I can't do this. And um, Cubicles been, out, Cabo in. Yeah. And so, <laughs> I've, you know, been very, very fortunate to be able to work with, with the guys I work with. I was going to say, how and, long has this ride been? You've been doing this for how long now? Uh, I guess, well, it's, this year is the first, um, is the 10th year that I've been a staff photographer for Surfer Magazine. Okay. So, um I've been with Surfer Magazine for 10 years and, and graduated school about 10 and a half years ago. So okay, it's so been going for a little while, I for guess. For a little while and running strong, man. Now, when it comes to forging these relationships and making these relationships and solidifying them with your subjects and household names, we were talking right before we popped on about Jack Johnson and some projects you worked on. Now, what's the process of building a relationship with those folks where they trust you as a photographer? I would imagine that doesn't happen overnight. Yeah, you know that it's funny. A, a really good friend of mine and um, mentor of mine, Steve Sherman. He's he, a local, right? He's a local and friends with Eddie Vedder, correct? Good friends with Eddie Vedder as well. Okay. And Jack and Kelly and Rob, and he's been documenting all those guys in the momentum generation for for twenty years. And we all grew up surfing seaside together. And you know, he's like, you know, what we do, ninety percent social. It's all social. He's like, there's a lot of people that can take great images, but he's like, are you cool to hang out with? Do you enjoy what you're doing? If I've, I feel like a lot of the, you know, a lot of the athletes and musicians, they're all, they're all creatives and they're all passionate people. So if you can share a passion, mm -hmm. if you have something that you're really passionate about and you're around people that have the similar feelings of passion for whatever it is they do, Interesting. automatically you guys are going to connect in one way or the other. I agree with that because it's happening right now. The second you walked in this room, I was fascinated and couldn't wait to talk to you. Because I'm passionate about audio, as passionate as you are is about visuals. Right, and there's something that that clicks in your brain that makes us unique to to a lot of other people, because there's not always one way to go around things. Truth. It's, it's what is the you know if everyone followed the same path, it would be really boring. We wouldn't have music. We wouldn't have art. We wouldn't have a lot of beautiful architecture. There's so many things that would just be very cookie cutter stale. Totally and agree. So, you know, it's almost like the rebels or, or the guys that 
push the boundaries a little bit or, or aren't afraid to fail are the ones that you almost are, are naturally drawn to because they're the ones challenging the system, not necessarily in a bad way, but they're challenging themselves. And people like to be around themselves that push themselves and challenge themselves and, and are um, inspiring or feeling inspired. Yeah. Now, have you learned a lot by your subjects just for yourself and how you can apply stuff you've learned from your subjects to your own life? Yeah, absolutely. And and it's it's kind of funny you mentioned that because it's, I think, similar with you with what you do when, when your hobby becomes when your passions become your hobby and your hobby becomes your life and your life becomes your career, it can be really difficult uh, no to doubt. create that separation. No doubt. And that's something that I've learned a lot over the last couple of years is being able to appreciate where I'm at, accept where I'm at, be grateful for the opportunities I've been given and the work I've been able to do, but also be able to take a step back and appreciate the family life and appreciate um, you know, other aspects of life that you sometimes neglect because when you're working with someone or spending so much time around a certain type, uh, group of people, they're all very like-minded and they're all so driven that the minute you take one step out, you realize there's a whole other world out there too. Yeah. And you almost have to remove yourself a little bit to bring that new creativity or that new inspiration or just take a week off, turn your phone off and rest. I, yeah. I was just camping for four days with my wife and she had a bike race up in Santa Barbara and we rode bikes through the mountains and on the way down, we pulled over in Malibu and, and did a big bike ride through the, um, where all the fires were through, uh, Mulholland and that Can't area. That's where and I grew up. Can't imagine. I haven't seen it yet just cause it's too hard. Oh, it's so heavy. It's I too hard. It was so, I couldn't believe it. And, um, I grew up surfing Topanga, okay, so you, Malibu, oh, all my friends, family in that area, a couple of buds lost houses, my yeah. aunt evacuated. They saved their house, thankfully, but I just can't imagine seeing the the devastation, man. It would freaking kill me. It was heavy. I and I knew it was bad. And I had friends that lost their homes in Point Doom area. That's where yeah, that's where my aunt is. And um, we were riding through it, and there were some steep hills and some long. She's a competitive road cyclist, and so we, you know, we were on a pretty good ride. And I was just thinking to myself, as hard as this is, like, could you imagine? There's homes that are literally burnt down, and the next door neighbor's house is a white house that's perfectly clean, and then the next one's burnt down. You're like. How did that happen? Yeah. What is what are the odds that happened? Is it the wind? So it was the that, universe. The, the universe. <laughs> That's the way shit happens. Yeah. I, I'm curious though, as it relates to that, you have this amazing perspective, and you know you you are able to realize how thankful and grateful you are. But you're, you're younger than me, man. And when I was your age, I would think I was the shit, hanging out with Jack Kelly Slater. You know the whole deal. How have you been able to find? and realize that, hey, maybe we're all special, but maybe you're not, you know, you know I, I would get stuck in my head. And have you had to battle that? Um, you know, it's, it's, that's kind of interesting, but I, I think at the end of the day, we all hopefully wake up in the morning. Yep. Some of us drink a lot of coffee in the morning. We all got to do our business. Yep. We're all people and we're all creatives and we're all find inspiration in different ways. And so if you can kind of, I think the reason a guy like Kelly is so successful is because anyone that's been around him knows he loves surfing. Yeah, He'll go out, and I've been very fortunate to spend a lot of time with him, and he's a close friend. He'll go win a world title, and while everyone else would be celebrating, he'll go surf again Yeah, because he wants to try a new board. And I think that's the judgment of character that you really want to be around. Someone can go win a contest, win a world title, do whatever they are. And then, you know, if they win a world title at noon, they're surfing at four o'clock because, because the waves look fun. Or maybe just to get away from everything. I don't know. But, um, you know, like the Beatles, like you have a little help from your friends. Yeah. Like we all just need a little help from our friends. And, you know, I, those guys have taught me a lot about what it's like to be on the other side of the lens. Too. Yeah. See, that's what I'm wondering. If, if hanging out with someone, you know, you're hanging out with the greatest of all time, Kelly Slater, that that's going to humble any human, I guess. Right. Yeah. And yeah, he's when you see how he goes through life. Maybe. Right. And he goes through life to, you know, a little bit to his own beat, which is good, but he's so passionate about surfing, about travel, about music, about food. And all of a sudden, you know, if I can't do my job, if I'm sitting there holding everybody up on a pedestal, because a lot of the times, if I am hired to do a portrait or do a Great commercial point. campaign or do whatever it is I need to do, I can't be idolizing these people. I can respect them and have appreciation for what they do, but I can't have them up on a pedestal because... I won't be able to be me and I won't be able to get essentially what I'm there to do, which is sometimes document or, or sometimes create. And so there's a time when I'm a fly on the wall and I just let everything unfold. And then there's other times where 
you kind of have to dig in a little and challenge yeah. people and try and bring something out of them that um that maybe you can only get and that's what what you know that's a big rush for me with with photography as far as like meeting all these different people and personalities and creatives is that sometimes you only get two three minutes and you have to meet someone build a trust capture something that hopefully no one else can capture and You're let right. them share and then let them go on with their way and then sometimes if it's really quick to go the next time a shoot comes up, they go, you know, I liked working with him. It was quick and efficient. I love the photos. Great. Let's do it again. There's so many parallels between what you do and what this is and that T word and getting someone to trust you so they can't open up on a microphone or open up on camera. This is fascinating. Yeah. This is fascinating shit. I love this. Well, I, I feel a lot better talking to you on radio because, you know, I've, I've got a great head for radio. Whereas if we were <laughs> running if we were running cameras, it'd be Please. a totally different thing. You're a good looking kid. Stop that. Now, you did say something interesting about Kelly. Now, I'm just curious that you said, you know, he's, he, he walks to his own drum. What does that mean? I've heard that before. Uh, with him, I think he, I think he's trying to find the best way to have the most amount of fun that every day provides itself. So if that's waking up and if he feels like going surfing that day, he could wake up and look at a forecast and be like, oh, the waves are going to be really good in Fiji in two days. Like, we're going to Fiji today. <laughs> <laughs> or it's like the waves aren't good. I got this new golf club. Let's go golfing today. And right. I wish I golfed more because like we've been around some pretty amazing golf courses. I just don't golf. I hang out in the golf cart. I snap a couple photos, you know, I'll have a drink or two and just hang out and kind of talk shit and just hang That'd with be the boys, <laughs> which is super fun. I can't swing the club though. Oh, it's painful. And like, I've gone go golfing with some great golfers before and like I feel like the guy's slowing him down so I'm like no I'll, dr I'll drive the cart <laughs> I'll be your cart boy I'll be your caddy shooting a couple of pictures totally now what, what what's the hardest part of the gig we're hearing all the awesomeness I am curious I would imagine traveling does have its you know and I hear this from musicians it, it starts becoming a bitch yeah traveling can be traveling can be tricky I, I think over the last 10 years or so I've, I've probably averaged around 150 to 200 days a year on the road damn um, and a lot of those are really unexpected so we'll be you know I'll be at home and get a phone call like hey the waves are gonna be good here and there's this thing we've been working on like we got to go tomorrow and then I'll leave for three weeks so as far as trying to plan a personal life outside of I guess my work life which kind of has blended into my personal life for the last several years has been really difficult. Um, that's something I've been working really hard on to try and manage. Yep. My wife's been, you know, very patient and understanding over the last several years. But I'm kind of at a at a point now where I'm trying to manage um, that whole work life I, the whole, balance. Yeah, the whole. And we don't have kids, but be able to travel and go out and do what I need to do and get that rush of being on the road, get that rush of swimming in big waves and creating the images that we do. But then also being able to have a great home life. And if if I'm not traveling i'm being home and being present so a lot of that for me has been like turning my phone off for a couple of days the p or, word i get that at home all the time oh it's terrible being present it's tough when you're a creative because and we were talking about this briefly before we hit record it's the same thing that i struggle with too where it's even when you're not working you're working and your mind's always going and what's coming next because you don't work a traditional nine to five you don't shut it off at five o'clock it's going 24 7. Right. And there's, and for what we do, th there's no direct path or course of action as yep. far as how to go from A to B. One day you're killing it. The next day you could be broke. Yeah. And so through, you know, through photography, through basically swimming in the ocean with my friends, with a camera, I've somewhat turned into a, a photographer, a, you know, a, a director, a creative director, a stock agent, a book publisher, a book distributor, and, you know, an art gallery guy. Um, that's heavy shit. That's I'm, a lot of stuff, man. I'm, I'm just learning how to cook and I'm trying to play, learn how to play guitar. So it's yeah. like, you know what I mean? So like, but there's no direct path and you, you learn by making mistakes. I agree. And so, but when you have a lot of things going on, you make a lot of mistakes, which take up a lot of time. Like this book that we just made, like, you know, when we were, um, when we were making it, everyone's like, don't worry, you could find a publisher. It's going to be great. Not a problem. Well, we couldn't find a publisher and we wanted to get it out on time. So I ended up self-publishing it. Next thing you know, you get, you know, this big semi truck pulling up to your mom's house because she had, you know, she has a two car garage and she only has one car. I'm like, mom, can I store a couple books in the garage? She's like, no problem. The semi truck pulls up with pallets and we're like, all of a sudden, every book order is being just, you know, is getting sent to my email, which when you're on the road, keeping up with emails is difficult. It's hard enough. I can barely keep up with text messages. Of course. It's like, I don't, you know, 
And then all of a sudden, like, we're handwriting these shipping labels for each one, too. So all of a sudden, like, you only have so much time and you're trying to manage time, but also be present. But also at the end of the day, like, as much as you love making books and doing art shows and doing all these things, like, I want to be in the ocean playing with my friends. Exactly. And you got to follow the money, what's bringing in the revenue at that time while you're trying to get the book off the ground. Right. Got to keep your eye on the prize. And And I'm looking at the book right now. What an amazing piece of work. Holy shit. First of all, it's like over 300 pages or about 300 pages. Yeah. The imagery is insane. It's a mix of black and whites and colors. And you're a great storyteller, man. And that's what I realized. That's what I see the most. And I think that's what separates you from others maybe yeah well thank you and you know i i think um taylor and i we we've made a, a couple of films together and he's been a great inspiration as far as making a story and same as i was saying earlier you know the surfers like they this whole project came about uh we were surfing at seaside and i ran into taylor and he's like hey i really want to make another film and i was like well i've always wanted to make a book let's go get a coffee so we went up to java depot and we had a coffee and within 30 minutes we had this idea of pairing um, dual generational surfers together and we're like as a fan of surfing what would it be like to be a fly on the wall and right like, and you know my inspirations i i'm always been a been a, a firm believer and i think you could probably attest to this too with, with musicians is you kind of have to know the past to to be present to know you know what essentially could shape the future a little no bit. no question as long as you don't get stuck in that past true and that's what i struggle with sometimes i get stuck there but you have to be very well aware of it and make sure you apply those lessons later. Just don't get stuck there. Yeah. No, it, it's totally, it, that's totally true. So like when making a book, I was thinking about like my favorite photographers who have, who have really inspired me. And that's guys like um, Walter Eos, uh, Philippe Halsman, Anton Corbin. I said Steve Sherman earlier, you know, more documentary photographers than traditional surf photographers because surf photography it's great, but a lot of it is um, is capturing the action. But I think if you look at, uh, like, I've always been hugely inspired by rock and roll photography. Yeah. You know, like I said, Anton Corbin, Henry Diltz, Linda McCartney. Insane. Who were all there and present, Annie Leibovitz. And Danny, they would take, what's oh yeah, uh, Danny Clinch was. Danny Clinch, who's a friend of a friend. And that guy's work is, in, he's working on a documentary right now about Shannon Hoon who's uh, an old friend from Blind Melon. Yeah. And all Danny shit blows my mind, man. So he came, so we when we first had this book launch and movie premiere, um, we did it in New York, and uh, we have a mutual friend, Shelby Mead, who's helped him out quite a bit with within the music world. Um, she does a lot of PR, and she was like, you should text Danny and invite him. So I, like, text Danny, like, hey, Danny, I'm a friend of Shelby. Like, we have this art show. We'd love for you to come. And, like, he came and uh, Michael Halsband came. I don't no know if you've way. seen. I don't know if you've seen his work. Hell yeah! So man. like these are the guys who like I've always been hugely inspired by in photography. That's dope. Um, you know, surf photographers, yes, but a lot of it's just when the waves are good. But it's like what happens on in all the you know what's it look like to be in the elevator? What's it look like to you know? That's be, what I'm interested. Be in, in the inner circle, um, and you know, like we said, it just comes with trust and and being there, knowing when to shoot photos and when not to, and then when you shoot them, you know. Try and make them look good. So, so the guys want to, and ladies, they want they want to feel good about themselves, and they want to um, feel like they they know what they don't know what they're going to get, but they know that um, they can trust you and that they're going to be represented well. Yeah. Now the book is uh, proximity, and obviously you have the movie as well. What did you recently do with Jack Johnson? We were just riffing for a minute before we popped in about he did a song for you, or you were following him on something. No, we did this. Uh, it was a couple, when was this? Last year, I got a phone call from Kelly. It was the day after my birthday. And he called and he was like, hey, th- I think the waves are going to be really good tomorrow. You want to go on this trip? I have this place that, you know, with a couple plane rides and a boat. It's kind of a mission. Like, Damn. can you be in Hawaii this afternoon? And I'm like, I'm like, yeah. I'm like, let, let's, I'll do it. So I dropped everything. I thought he was calling to wish happy birthday. Yeah, right. And, and so, I'm sitting here going, man, wouldn't you love to get that call? Everyone listening right now. And so it was just like <laughs> a full panic rush. And I get to the airport, fly into Hawaii, um, sleep for a couple hours. We had like a 6 a.m. flight, wake up super early. And um, I'm checking in. I look over and, and Jack was next to me. And I was like, hey, man, like, where are you going? He's like, same place as you. I was like, Oh, I didn't know you were going. Like he didn't know I was going. It was kind of Oh, that's funny. It was a very last minute thing. He's like, Yeah, I got the call at five thirty last night and we're leaving at six AM the next day. Um, and so we're on the plane and I was exhausted. So I slept, Kelly slept, and we're in the airport waiting for our bags and we're like, Hey, did you um did you, did you sleep on the flight? Like we're all tired. He's like, No, I couldn't sleep. I'm super excited. 
um, I actually wrote down lyrics to the song and we're like, well, like that'd be cool. So he's sitting in the airport, this tiny little airport in this little island. Um, and he starts, he brought a cigar box ukulele that he'd built. Oh, man. And so he starts playing it and, um, you know, our bags come, we get on the boat, we go surfing, come in from surfing and he has these lyrics and he starts jamming it and I always travel this little sound recorder thing, this little zoom thing. And sure. Threw it up and shot a few photos and um, we ended up coming home. And then about a month later, we were in Australia and we all go to have dinner and he hadn't seen any of the photos. So I brought him the photos for him to look at. He's like, no way, check it out. He's like, my new album just came out. And he's like, the song I wrote made the album. And it ended up becoming like the number one song for no the way. album, which was kind of cool. Because you were there for the moment, obviously. Right. And so it, it was kind of a full circle thing being, you know, always looking up to these music photographers and then being able to document um, a little bit trip. of music, my yep. own trip. And we'd spent a little bit of time together. He came into town a few years ago and we'd, we worked on a documentary together. Um, I, love I was Jack. actually, I was a film. He's, he's, he's so best. friggin' nice. And he's Prison. a full surf bum. Bum. I love, best. he's a full surf bum. I and, know. And um, he was, he was so much fun. And so it was just, you know, there were th four of us on the trip, Jack, Kelly, myself, and a filmer. And it was just, we were just hanging out and it was really cool just to document. And those are the, the moments that are kind of like gifts that yeah. every once in a while you get thrown a little invite like that. And, now, uh, did you, uh, when you're surfing with these guys, what's going through your head? Because I'm thinking about my local break and even some of my guys who are better than me. I'm like, all right, here we go. You know, is there an intimidation factor when you're surfing next to Jack Johnson and Kelly Slater? Well, usually with those guys, I'm shooting photos yeah. <laughs> that, that I am filming. Yeah, true. You know, I've been working on my cutback, so I don't want them to feel self-conscious about their surfing. Yeah. Um, but you know, there is there are definitely times when I put the camera down and we just go surfing. Yeah. And I think that's really important to do what we do, just to kind of keep put it all into perspective and keep it in perspective. So it's not just they do what they do, you do what you do, and I'll you know high five. I'll see you guys later. I've always wanted a more um, you know a friendship and just a somewhere where you see everyone and you're not, you're, you don't always have a camera all the time. You're just kind of, um, you know, you're, you're buddies and sometimes you're working yeah. on a project and other times you're just kind of hanging out and you know, you you can, it's really, I find it really difficult to be totally present um, with a camera if I'm trying to be active in the conversation. Mm. So I find it, if, if I'm going at it from more of a documentary standpoint, I either have to come in and, you know, obviously say hi and, and hang with everyone then take a step back, let everyone do their things. And then Got it. other times I'll put the camera away and then, and just hang out and be social. And I think that's just part of having a friendship. And, you know, with, with any group of friends, you're not sitting there taking photos all the time. Truth. You're hanging out. Usually when my wife wants to take them, I get mad. I'm like, yeah. come on, not now. You're killing the moment. Yeah. My wife gives me a hard time because she's like, you're the worst iPhone photographer ever. <laughs> I'm like, I know it's terrible because I don't think of it as a camera. I think of it as like a telephone. Exactly. It's just yeah. a device. It's not a cam. Yeah. But that's hysterical. Probably anytime you're anywhere public and people know you're a photographer, everyone turns to you. Yeah. It's, it's really weird. And then I get really stressed out about it because I feel like there's a certain expectation of imagery that you have to create it happened to us two nights ago we there were, is i hate to say it there is oh man it's a lot of pressure there is we were at this at this <laughs> banquet sunday night uh for my wife's bicycle club the san diego bicycle club and they're giving out all the awards and at the end of the night everyone got together they're like all right like let's get a group photo and they're like todd you're a photographer you take it and there's like five other like real photographers that were like paid to be there with like cameras and flashes and like the whole bit i had my phone i'm like let these guys like no no you gotta do it and i'm just like oh man did you blow it i don't even know what <laughs> so my trick is tell everyone you're colorblind to make it all black and white that way you don't have to worry about like skin tones oh i like that and then it's like you know you just like no i, I was going for that i was, I was going, going for that, for that out look. of focus like sketchy black and white thing like that that's totally the vibe right? i love that yeah all right so i gotta ask here when it comes to putting yourself in harm's way i mean you're and i want to paint the visual for people who have seen like for example pipe or you know north shore hawaii you see that dude charging a friggin' 50 foot mountain of water dropping in and there's that little speck with a camera that's at the bottom of the wave you're that speck right yeah What's it like being that speck? Um, I just made me feel really small. <laughs> I'm already pretty small. That was the idea. <laughs> that was the idea. I mean, I'm serious. I see that and go, that guy is out of his friggin' mind. Um, I, you know, I think it all comes from 
being passionate about what you do and being able to um, slowly grow into something and you and you learn from past experiences and you know you don't go from surfing one foot waves in Del Mar to going 20 foot pipeline all of a sudden you kind of work your way up a little bit so I grew up surfing at 15th Street Del Mar and then or for, first Torrey Pines Beach and then 15th Street Del Mar and then you know we once we made it to Seaside we're like okay we're done this yeah. is this is it there's an outside reef there's an inside reef there's tabletops which is like miles away right um and then, you know, you start transitioning, you start going down to Black's Beach and start challenging yourself more and more. You start traveling a little bit and you kind of start taking your lumps. And um, I really felt comfortable in the water. Um, I'm pretty clumsy on land. You know, I drive really slow and a lot of people are like, you're a daredevil. I'm like, no, not really, man. I'm terrified of a lot of things. I'm terrified of heights. Interesting. You know, I'm pretty slow moving. I'm, I'm, I'm pretty quiet. But in the water... It's almost when, when all the shit starts going wrong, that's when you come alive. And that's when, you know, you start feeling alive during the chaos. And then it's, you know, when the waves are big, it's almost as if everything slows down. And like mm. when you dive under a big wave or if someone's on a wave and, and I'm in the water shooting photos, it's almost like the matrix, the whole, everything just, it gets quiet and you're just hyper-focused on whatever's happening. Even It if reminds me of really, that place, like you ever get into a, a car accident moments before impact you hit that place that's super quiet and kind of peaceful where you're like ah this is yeah. kind of a fun peaceful place and then boom the impact hits they call that the flow state and there's a really good book about that written by an author named Stephen Kotler I'm writing this down the called, flow state yeah uh, called the rise of Superman whoa which is a great a Noted. great read Noted. Um, it came out about two three years ago and he interviews quite a few different um quite a few different extreme sports athletes guys like laird hamilton jimmy chin travis rice ian walsh Dene whoa. um among a couple other nascar uh you know nascar formula one drivers as well yep all the way down to like navy seals and they talk about not down to up to navy seals on i want to make sure you know, hold them in the highest regard. Of course. But there, I think a lot of us might be given very similar physical opportunities, but it's the mental character building traits that really challenge us and challenge us and push us to do what we do and the reason that we do it. I think if you're doing something for for notoriety or to get patted on the back, you, you'll, you'll burn out pretty quickly. But Agreed. If you, but if you challenge yourself and pace yourself and, you know, get beat up and come back and essentially get back on the horse and try again and try again, I think that's that's a, a character building trait. And I think I that's that. what makes for great musicians. I think that makes for great uh, photographers, great athletes, great, uh, you know, businessmen sometimes. Humans, I was going to say, humans. Yeah. And I think, um, you know, you start with so many people, I'm not trying to get all philosophical, but there's billions, Please, billions of people in the world and, and you start narrowing that down, you're automatically attracted to people that are, are like-minded, even if they don't share the same passions, but they share the same mindset. Totally um, agree with that. And so I, I think that's really interesting with a lot of the guys who we've been fortunate to spend time with and um, and be around. And that's what you tend to pick up on more so than the trophies and the accolades and the awards. and. Musicians, there's a lot of great musicians, a lot of really great undiscovered musicians. Just because one person has an Oscar or an, or an Emmy doesn't make the, doesn't mean anything. Can they put on a great show? And are they cool to be around? And there's a lot of people that are great at what they do and they're assholes. True. And you don't really want to be around them. No. You know? They might be great at what they do and those are the guys just, you know. And that eventually catches up, man. It yeah. always catches up. You can ride the asshole train for so long until the joke's on you. Yeah. Totally, and I'm sure you've experienced it with some of the musicians and people that you've come across, and, and it um, even radio people. And I've gone down roads that I look back and I'm like, "Dang, man, why was I so just full of myself in that moment? And yeah. why did I think I was better than the room at that particular moment? What a joke's on me!" And if you don't learn from that stuff, then the joke's really on you. And that's really what I think it is more is just learning from those experiences and those mistakes. Yeah. And having a good set of friends to call you on your bullshit if Boom. you get ahead of yourself. Boom. 
Yes, I'd like to thank my friend Dennis right now. <laughs> guy there, I surf with. <laughs> there's that, and I think that's what I love about the ocean as well, is that, you It know, gives you those lessons without it coming from another, that's why I love it. Yeah, it, you could be, you could get an A on your test, you could go sign whatever deal, meet whoever it is, the ocean doesn't give a shit. shit. Doesn't care what you do for a living. Nope. Doesn't care your backstory, nothing. It will kick your ass every single day you go out there mm. and that is that's what keeps me coming back and that's why i need it like i you and I me need both that feeling because no matter what as big as you get in your head you know there's always going to be something that's going to be bigger than you and and it'll put you in your place and i think like to go back to your question about being in big waves you know you start small and you work your way up and once you catch a 10-foot wave you're like okay that was scary but i'm okay and then you catch a 10-foot wave and you're paddling back out and a 10-foot wave breaks in front of you and you're like, that sucked, but I've been through that. Yep. So now what's a 15-foot wave look like? And next thing you know, you know, peer pressure is a real bitch too. Like <laughs> I have this reputation of being like a water photographer. Like I love being in the water. I'm, in right. half, I'm a half-decent swimmer. I'm an okay photographer. But I go on trips and they're like, oh yeah, you're, you'll be in the water. You'll be fine. I'm like, fuck you guys. Yeah, exactly. Like, you guys have full inflation vests. And the funny thing is like, if there's water safety and the you know a surfer takes off and the guy passes you like I'm halfway in the middle of the tube, I punch out the back. Everyone's looking at the surfer. Everyone's looking at the guys. No I'm one's shooting. looking at you. No one's looking at me. Yep. So you're really on your own. You got to be like, okay, I'm in a really shitty situation. And I've like, I've done a couple of those free dive courses where you go and and you you know it's like a three day breathing course and you know you hold your breath for a really long time. It feels yeah. really good to say that and it's great to be able to do, you know. With what we do in the ocean, you're in the water for three, four, five hours. Last week I was in the water. We had big waves. I, was, I swam for seven hours. Um, I forgot to eat that morning, so I had a cup of coffee and a banana. So I swam for seven hours. And on your a, stomach's just turning, ripping. Yeah. And what happens, you know, six and a half hours in when you go over the falls on a 20-foot wave? And that's kind of what you have to train for. It's not like... Can't imagine. You know, you do these free diving courses and we did it. We were in five mil wetsuits in a heated pool and you're listening to jazz music, and you're breathing up, and <laughs> right. like, it's pretty easy to be relaxed. Damn. But like it's like have someone come in, like kick you in the nuts and say, Hold your breath for three minutes. That's that's where it's hard. Damn, dude. Well, <laughs> I have such a tremendous amount of respect for you and uh what you do and certainly encourage people. Tell me with this art show that's happening at the Pendry. So what's the layout going to be? When is it? It's this uh, Friday, correct? It's this Friday from 5.30 to, to 8 o'clock. Okay. I'm going to come by with my wife. Please do. Yeah, we're on it. And uh, what what's the setup? Please tell us. So the, um, the Pendry is this, this really cool hotel downtown. Actually, um, to be honest, I hadn't heard of it like six months ago. But my wife and I were at, uh, we were home and we're like, you know, let's just do a little staycation. And Love it. And we looked up hotels. We're like, this place looks cool. And um, it was like a, a random Wednesday night. We took the train down from North County. Oh, cool. Um, just made a little like 24 hour home adventure. And then I randomly got an email from them about three months ago and said, Hey, would you be interested in doing a show? And, um, I'd been touring this proximity show and had some work that I'd shot recently, um, in Tahiti and then also throughout California. So the newest image was shot maybe a month and a half ago. And the oldest images are probably two or three years old. Um, they're like, we have this great gallery space. It's all covered in glass. So all the art is double-sided, which oh, I've cool. never been a part of, which is kind of cool. Normally you're in a gallery with like white walls. And it's so, all open. So it, it challenged us to have to show both sides of the um, of the wall. And what's really neat, I forgot to mention it, and I've, the, all the boards are in my car right now, but um, with the Proximity Project is each surfer, we partnered with a different artist. And so on Kelly's boards, we had six boards made for Kelly. And we had an artist out in New York named Richard Phillips paint a mural on all six of his boards. That's awesome. And then like with uh, with Rob's board, Rob Machado's boards, we got six of his boards and Sage Vaughn, uh, an artist out of Orange County, um, painted a mural when you put all the boards together, it makes one big mural. How cool. So, and then we have John John Florence's boards going in, which were painted by an artist named JP. So this is all gonna be down at the yeah. pantry? So, Holy shit. so it's a really interactive. So you'll be able to see the board that Shane Dorian rides in the film and Shane, and he's riding in the book and Kelly's boards that Richard Phillips painted on and um, Sage Vaughn art on Rob's board. So we have all these different things and a lot of the proceeds are going to the Rob Machado Foundation as well. Sure. Uh, originally they wanted to partner with, um, with a different nonprofit organization 
And with Rob being such an instrumental part of the project, I was like, you know, it would be really cool if we could, um, you know, bring it in more so to, to San Diego and have Rob's uh, foundation get involved because they do a lot of great things with sustainability and um, informing, uh, teaching the kids about um, trying to live a plastic-free life. So yep. rather than, um, you know, giving out water bottles, what they've been doing, like they went to Seaside, uh, I'm sorry, Cardiff Elementary. I heard about this recently, right? Yeah, and they installed um, purified water system so all the kids get water bottles so from a young age if you can teach kids from a really young age condition them just to reuse bottles and refill water through purified systems wow yeah. that's groundbreaking shit they've also um planted an organic garden so they're making small steps to basically inspire the young so hopefully they can grow up and learn about recycling and learn about um teaching their friends like what's cool and what's not cool. We're all guilty of using plastic. I'm, you know, I'm not one to judge. I, I use plastic. I bought a gallon water bottle a couple of days ago. Sure. But um, if we're trying to limit it as much as we can, it's just, it's a way of informing others and trying to like inspire others to, to live a little bit simpler. Of course, man. And we certainly encourage people to check out the show and find you online. I'll make sure we have all the appropriate links and all that stuff to your instas and your website so they can purchase the book and the whole bit. So I want to thank you for uh, coming by and sharing so much insight and uh, dropping some knowledge too. Oh, thanks so much for having me, man. It was really cool. I'm super inspired. Thanks for Scott too. I don't know if you're listening for, for connecting us. That's super cool. Oh, Scott Fisk is the man. I love Scott. Yeah. Cote too. He says hello from Hawaii. Yeah, buddy. What's up, Chris? Talk to you soon. <laughs> All right, that does it. Be sure to check out Todd over at the Pendry Hotel, his exhibit, the launch party tomorrow, Friday, starting at 5.30. As we wrap up, Cantori and you, our next episode, I'm talking to Troy, who was uh, married to Bradley from Sublime, uh, Bradley's widow, Troy. And uh, she's got an art show as well coming up. We're going to talk old Sublime stories and uh, the whole trip. She'll be my next guest. I do want to thank all our sponsors, as we mentioned at the beginning of the uh, the podcast. And if you're part of our Patreon community, thank you. Thank you. Thank you. It definitely helps with uh, the maintenance of the site. And uh, I, I love each and every one of you. So until next time, thank you to thank you for listening to Cantori and you. Check out myself and my friend Merrill on 100.7 San Diego. And uh, yeah, life's good. Be good. <laughs>